Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Chris Townsend with you here for another edition of A's Unfiltered. We're going to have a good one for you because one of my favorites from the MLB Network, Mark DeRosa, DeRosa stopped by A's Cast Live. And you think about his career, start with the Atlanta Braves in 1998 and finish with the Toronto Blue Jays in 2013. We got to see him here in the Bay Area from 2010 to 2011 with the San Francisco Giants. I always really respected his career, but you just knew if you ever interviewed him that he would be like absolutely perfect for television. And what he's doing on the MLB Network is fabulous. You're also going to hear from former left-hander Tommy Malone. Tommy Malone had some really good starts, and even in the postseason for the Oakland Athletics, he's now with the Seattle Mariners. As he joined us on the field with Coco Crisp, was uh, co-hosting with me that day. And then we're going to have Evan Drellich from The Athletic. Covered the Astros for years, and he did that really great piece on the Astros and what the Astros are doing with the McKinsey and Company Consulting Group. And fascinating how Jeff Luno has opened up his baseball department for the past two years to this consulting firm, and they look to how to improve your business. So it was a fascinating article. And then John Spencer stopped by our little set on the field. He is the guy that got the beer poured on him at Yankee Stadium last year in the wild card game. So he was a lot of fun to talk to. So those are the four that we're going to be talking to today on A's Unfiltered. And always fun to catch up with D-Row, Mark DeRosa. Mark, this is Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics and Ace Cast Live. We really appreciate you coming on today. We're all a big fan of you and the MLB Network. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Amelia, hey, she played a huge part in starting that show. So if she wants to know what I had for breakfast, I'll tell you guys. I, I swear everybody we've brought on just gushes about her. We love her to death. She's absolutely phenomenal. But it's like uh, when she left, that was a, a, a big hurt for you guys. I'm not going to lie to you. 
I look back because we always at the end of the year would have like an end of the year party. I look back at some of those early photos and we've lost a lot of people along the way to greener pastures. And Amelia was uh, just a huge loss for us. I mean, she's the creator of the opening for the deep dive. She's the creator for the opening of Dr. D row. She played a, she played a huge role in, uh, and kind of setting that show up. You do a phenomenal job of, of breaking this game down. And we just had on a, a, a writer from The Athletic who has done a fascinating piece. It's about a 14-page article about how the Houston Astros have brought in one of the big consulting firms, a consulting firm that would be working with a Fortune 500 company. And, and the Astros brought this McKenzie and company to come in and not look at like marketing and tickets and make it's about their baseball ops. Have you heard about this? And it's kind of crazy to think that a baseball team would open up their baseball ops to a consulting firm. Zero dropped off. So I was asking you about uh, no problem. I was asking you about the uh, the article that we just had the author on from the Athletic talking about McKinsey Company. It's a consulting firm that works with a lot of Fortune 500 companies, and they come in and they help make your business better. But this is not like marketing and tickets and making money. This is about Jeffrey Luno and the baseball ops because he actually used to work for them. I mean, it's just crazy to think that you would bring in a consulting firm to work on your baseball ops. Have you heard about this, and have you guys discussed this uh, on the network? Great job, Cody. You're really killing it. <laughs> it's not the millennial technology and, and it's not millennial technology because we're using millennial hard- technology stinks we're using a hard line for this back so. in the day he's on a hard line no we are so oh. we're using wi-fi or we're using an ethernet connection so it's not us it's brian kinney brian kinney's phone the flip phone we got to ask him if he's using brian kinney's phone that is hilarious All right, let's try I, w- this again. I will get this question out this will work this will work I'm hoping it will work. Do we have you, Mark? I hope it's not me. <laughs> are, are, are you? So when we had Brian Kenny on, he, he has like a flip phone. I'm like, wait a minute. You're Mr. No. You're like Mr. Analytics and you got a flip phone. I want, are you, are you using Brian Kenny's phone? I swear to you, I am in the I am in a perfect area with full bars right now. I don't understand what's happening. Well, you know what? This is the Oakland Coliseum. It wouldn't be the first time something broke around here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was asking you about uh, about the McKinsey Company. That's this uh, consulting firm that works with a lot of Fortune 500s, and, and, and they come in and they help make your business better. And Jeffrey Luno has brought them into the Astros, but it's not about, you know, tickets and marketing. It's about baseball ops. I don't know. Have you guys talked about this? It's pretty crazy to think that a baseball team would open up its baseball operations to a consulting firm. I, I completely agree. It's funny that you say that because every day I wake up in the morning and I kind of go through Twitter and social media and I like a bunch of the articles that I'm that I'm going to read leading up to the day. And I swear to you, Athletic is one of the biggest, kind of one of my biggest things I jump off of that kind of spur some ideas for me when I head into the production meeting. And I, I actually saw that and liked it and hadn't, hadn't gotten around to reading it yet, but Hey, that's that's the world we live in right now. Any anything to make you a little bit better, to get you that little bit of edge, um, 
in talking to a lot of players, the stuff that we used to value, they don't value as much. The hitters meetings that we used to have and the stuff that we used to go over and the information we wanted, I mean, the stuff they're going over now is completely different. And it, and to be honest, it makes a heck of a lot more sense. Uh, when I go back and look at my stats on the back of my baseball card, it's funny. The numbers I used to value, I shouldn't have. Yeah. And I hate saying that. It's, that's just the bottom line. When I look at some of the years I had in my career, I'm like, oh, you were, you were a lot better than you thought you were here and maybe not as good as you thought you were this year. So. I, I like I like all the information. I, I, I was a, I was kind of a stat rat in that regard. I studied video to to the nth degree to kind of formulate game plans. I was not a guy that just sat fastball and adjusted. I was a guy that kind of guessed educatedly every pitch. Uh, so I, I'm kind of into where all the where all the numbers are. And with that said, the Astros are struggling. They're leaking oil for the first time. And with, yeah. the, and with the A's winning today, they've won six straight, eight of nine, 12 of 14. They've, er- they've erased the deficit. Right now it sits at four. And if the Astros lose again tonight, it's going to be three and a half by tomorrow. What do you think about this race in the AL West? It has dramatically changed. You know, it's funny when I was coming on with you guys, the first thing I always do is, is go over who's hot, who's not, look at the stats. Love the Homer Bailey pickup, faced him a ton, multiple no-hitters. Obviously, a split was on today, just gives you a different look. You put him in a pennant race, he kind of lights up a little bit, so I dig that. I think Oakland's one of those clubhouses that you can walk into and they kind of wrap their arms around you like band of misfits, let's get it done. Um, I kind of buy into all of that, but Oakland, they what Billy Bean's going to do to kind of keep going in talking to him and having him on the show a couple times. I love the fact that he says we're a transaction based team. We're going to make moves. We're not going to be all homegrown, even though Olson's and Chapman's of the world are, are, are your two biggest players and they are homegrown. So if I'm a betting man, I'm staying with the Astros just because of the horses and, and the pedigree, but stranger things have happened. And when you talk about evaluating talent right now, we know for sure that the ball is different. I've had an astrophysicist come on as she's broken down the baseball. It's different this year. The commissioner is now really admitting it. I mean, we had six home runs today for the A's. A couple of them were pop flies that went out. They're using the same ball in AAA, record home runs down there. How hard is it right now heading into the trading deadline and even like going into next year's free agency to evaluate people with, with just how many home runs are flying out of the ballpark? What's real, what's not? Yeah, yeah I, it's, it, it's, honestly, it's a great question. It actually it ticks me off because I would have loved to have played with this baseball. I think I would, you know, obviously would have thought – much higher of myself as, as a player. Um, it is what it is. It's, it, it's level playing ground for everyone. It's not like it's just blowing out in certain parts and not blowing, not blowing out for other teams. I mean, I mean, it is what it is. Guys are hitting. I saw Pete Alonzo take one into the third deck in, in target field today on, on a hanging slider. I've seen Dansby Swanson. I live in the Atlanta area, have 17 home runs. When there was question coming into spring training, was he, was he going to be an offensive player? And now he's moving balls to right center. So I, I don't see it changing. 
I don't see it changing. Maybe if they go, that would be have to be something that would be addressed in the off season. But you kind of liken it, and I hate to liken it back to to the steroid era. But but what's real and what's not? I think it made it hard for the GMs to to make moves in that era as well. And what who was going to show up to spring training and what production they were going to get. So. I think you, at the end of the day, you go with the best ball players. I think the guys who hit the 30, 35 home runs, maybe they hit the 25, uh, 20, 25 home runs, but they're still the best ball player. I always remember this. I always remember this because he's a good friend. Andrew Jones said that once they started testing, I was that he was going to lead the league in homers, and he was, and he was right. <laughs> he always <laughs> believed that he was one of the premier home run hitters, and and he didn't have to cheat to be that. So. I hate to I hate to liken it to the steroid era, but at times it seems like you don't know what's real and what's not. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, you have Chris Davis, the only guy to hit 40 home runs three straight years. He hit yeah. 48 last year. But, man, he is just – everybody's hitting home runs but him right now. It's almost like we need a Dr. D-Row on KD because they, KD <laughs> has lost his pop. What happened? Yeah, KD, is not, we've analyzed him 18 different ways. He's a guy who steps in the bucket but keeps his, his shoulders square to the plate and plays with the big part of the field and has oppo power for days. And I'm telling you, we've had Matt Olson on. We've had Chapman on. We've had, you name it, Loriano on. And it's one of the questions that gets asked is about KD and how he's able to generate so much power. And and I, I mean, even guys on his own team don't can't can't put a finger on it. So I always believe, and we're seeing it now, over the course of 162, you are who you are. So I got to believe at some point he gets rolling. And I gotta, maybe at the right time, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, what, as long as everybody's hitting him now, and then he gets healthy, and then he starts hitting him. Wow! You start yeah, looking yeah. at Oakland's offense. I, you know, for you, this is like the perfect role. At what point, when when you were hired by the network and you started doing television, and you're breaking down swings, and you guys are laughing and have a good time, when, when was that point where you went, "Oh yeah, this is for me"? You know, it's funny. It kind of just evolved. Uh, I got asked to do a couple postseasons. Just, just for free to go up there and see if if I liked it, and I guess for them to see if they like it. I think for me, I was never hitting was always very difficult for me. I wasn't the best hitter on my college team. I was never the best hitter on any minor league team I came up through. So I had to study, ask questions, try different things, try different bat models, stand in different spots in the box, study video differently. I picked everyone's brain. I was. I mean, I remember at 30 years old signing with Texas and, and changing everything um, offensively. So it's it's always been a passion of mine to kind of try and understand how guys make it make it look so easy and how guys can roll out of bed and be so successful at what I think is the hardest thing to do in all of sport. Um, I always felt defensively and arm and acumen for the game I kind of had I kind of had a feel for but I always felt like man if somebody could locate heaters in I was dead and I swung at sliders in the dirt until I was 32 years old and my old man used to say I don't understand how you can continually swing at the same pitch all the time like I I just don't understand that (laughs) so it was always it's always for me kind of 
educating myself and, and trying to pick the brains of the great players. And then I guess through luck and being a utility guy and trades and, and, and bouncing around to all the different divisions, I, I kind of got a feel for East Coast baseball. I got a feel for West Coast, Middle America. I touched kind of every division. So I just enjoyed it. And I, I felt like the guys, there, there, was good, there was great stories to be told. And I, I, I believe Ramon Laureano's story is just as exciting as Matt Chapman's, is just as exciting as Matt Olson. So everybody's got a different way of getting to the big leagues. And I, I, I felt like the truth needed to be told. <laughs> well, one of your old teams has caught fire, the San Francisco Giants. And, and our old friend, Farhan Zaidi, uh, who used to work here with the Athletics, cut his teeth here under Billy Bean, now running the show yeah. over there. They've won five in a row. They're just two and a half back of the wild card, but everybody thinks they need to be sellers because they have nothing in their farm system. Is this just hot streak of mirage? Well, they're still minus 38 in run differential. What What do you do if you're running the Giants? You know, yeah, I, my only thing is the more I look at this, is what are you truly getting back for Madison Bumgarner? Because if you're not getting back two pieces that are going to significantly help your team in the future, then why wouldn't you let Bochi have his last hurrah and you know, see what happens along those lines? If you want to move a Will Smith or a Tony Watson or a bullpen piece like that or a Pablo Sandoval, I get it. But I just feel like it's just set in stone that they're going to move Bumgarner, but – our team's really going to bank up the truck to give you what you need in return because their their farm system is bare minus a few guys, Joey Bart, uh, I think, I don't know, I pronounce Helio Ramos is a, is a big prospect with them. So I, I know this. I had a chance to sit with Boach and kind of interview him uh, two, three weeks ago. We drove to the field together and, I loved where he was at. He was like, I'm, I'm going to ride this out with a smile on my face no matter what because so many guys on this roster have meant so much to my success and, and, and winning three World Series. So I would love to see him have one more hurrah. I'm sure Madison Bumgarner could have been traded in spring training. And I'm sure Farhan said, you know what, let me see how, how we start. Let me see what's going on. Let me give Boach an honest chance at this. And they're in it. So I, I, I don't – I heard Mike Lowell today on MLB Central kind of filling in for me talk about the fact that, that Madison's going to go. And, and he probably will. But, man, you look back at most of these trades and I just don't see like a barn burner, like future awesome player coming back for, for in, in a deal for him. Let's end on this, and I know Amelia wants you to come out and be a manager here with the green and gold. She's told me <laughs> about that. You know, with all the stuff you talked about yourself, really being a gym rat and studying and, 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 and being that guy, and it's been a trend to have analysts become managers. Have you thought yeah. about being a manager? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually interviewed for two of them. I interviewed for the Marlins job uh, two years ago and took be completely honest, I was smitten with the idea of even being asked. So I went through the process, and obviously Don Mattingly left L.A. and, and kind of was 
handpicked and rightfully so. That's kind of bizarre because his posters were on my wall. So to sit there and, and say, wow, I interviewed for a position Don Mattingly was inter- interviewing for was pretty cool in and of itself. And then two years ago or last year, I interviewed for the Mets job when Mickey Calloway got it. And and I I went after it. I, I mean, I honestly went in there. I, if it's going to happen for me. It's going to happen on my terms. And, and what I mean by that is I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you what I value. I'm going to tell you what I feel about your roster. And, and I, I'm a people guy. I'm, I'm a big believer in chemistry. I'm a big believer in open lines of communication. I think that works. So, uh, you know, I've had, I've had managers like Bobby Cox say things to me like, I don't think you can play every day and we're going to move you in the off season. And that those were tough things to hear. But I never got in a car and drove home at night wondering where I stood on the Atlanta Braves roster. Now that changed, you know. There's there's a totem pole in in my opinion in the clubhouse, and you better know where you stand on it on a day to day basis. And I kind of always felt like I had a good feel for that because I wasn't afraid to to hear the truth or tell a teammate the truth. And that's kind of how I how I view that whole situation. If it if if it lines up, I would love to be in a position to help guys get better and, and, and to put guys in a, in a position to be successful and try and win a World Series. I, I, would, I would love to see it, but selfishly, I never want to see you leave uh, the network because what you do on there is superior stuff. We're big fans, and we'd love to have you on the program again. I could talk to you all day about baseball. Continued success, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care, guys. Mark DeRosa from MLB Central on the MLB Network. They do a great job every morning talking a little baseball. How about Tommy Malone, the former USC Trojan, was with the Athletics from 2012 to 2014. Obviously, those were playoff years. Tommy pitched in some big games. He pitched in the postseason, and now he's with the Seattle Mariners. And the left-hander joined me and Coco Chris on the field. Tommy Malone joins us. It's always great to have you back. Once proud Oakland Athletic, how you been? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, we talked to you in Japan, and it's good to see you up with the big club. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, always always nice to be up here and uh, come back to Oakland, the old stomping ground. So, you know, it's been, it's been good. And then, of course, you guys shared some good times. You know, that was, that was the thing about it, you know, this, this era of A's baseball that you guys were a part of. I mean, that was, a, that was wild at times, the kind of success that you guys had when people didn't think you were going to have success. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I would say probably some of the, my best memories were, you know, the time that I was here with the A's and obviously Coco here and probably robbing some home runs that I'd, that I'd given up. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was uh, definitely a good time and, and times that I reminisce often. Yeah, I mean, we're here, what, uh, was it 12, 13, and 14 yep. together? Yep. And those were the times that I talk about where it wasn't just us on the field playing the game. We actually didn't have any lines. It was it was the front office, the fans. It was like we're a huge family, and he was a huge part of our success, Tommy was. I want to talk about one thing real quick. Okay. Yeah, we haven't seen each other in, in a little while, and you got all these tats now. Yeah? Yep. You yeah, tell yeah, me about yeah. that. You are tatted up, man. I, I like it. Just one arm. Just one arm. It's a it's a f- whole family theme. Okay. So I, I kept it to uh, not just random things, you know, just throwing out there. So, um, But it was something that I had been wanting to do for a while. I just 
never really knew what I wanted. So once I figured it out, then it just kind of all came together. All right. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Not the non-thrown arm. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I'm done, I think I'll get the other side done. Okay. Was there anything like, I don't want to mess with the arm? Yeah, that's basically what it is. Not that really. that's really going to do anything because obviously guys have their throwing arms tatted as well. But it's just probably it's all mental, you know. So are you are you following the opener tomorrow? I don't know, to be honest. They don't really tell me until after the the game before. Really? I think it depends on, you know, who's who gets used in the bullpen and stuff like that. So if everyone gets used then most likely I would I would start the game, but so that I don't, I don't know. That's something that uh, that's upstairs. I don't worry about that. We haven't really figured out the name for that. You know, we have the name for the opener. Mm-hmm. We haven't is it the follower or what what do you think about that role? The role or the name? The role. The, uh, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. Um, I still – it's very similar to starting. Obviously, I'm not starting the game. But I still know when I'm pitching. I can prepare for it. I still know I'm going to go, you know, X amount of innings or pitches or whatever like that. So um, it's just a little bit different warming up. You know, I, I throw kind of right before the game starts so I can get some distance and then uh, kind of see how the game's going. On the road, I have to wait a little bit more, obviously, because we're not starting. Um, the first inning so it's just it was a little bit of tinkering around with the the warming up and stuff but you know it's it's been fine so the one thing with that with the with the the opener when you go in you come in second the guy just finished a good inning or he finished a bad inning which how do you how do you prepare for that mentally and knowing how to approach it after the inning whatever the score may be whether it's Mm -hmm. good one one instance where it is good and the other one where it, it didn't really go his way Honestly, I've kind of treated it as I just go out there and pitch my game regardless of what happened, whether the score is 5 nothing or 10 nothing. You know, I still got to go out there and I got to do my job and get outs. So, um, you know, obviously it's nice to go out there, if, you know, if we have a lead or if we're, you know, we hadn't given up any runs. But, um, you know, either way I have to go out there and do a job, and that's to get people out. So I try to, I try to treat it the same. Okay. You know, the thing for me is, you know, starting pitchers, you have, you, you have a way you get ready for the game. Some guys want to run poles. Some guys are going to do long toss. You're going to have, and, you, and, and you're creatures of habit, so you do it every single, before every, every five days for the game. Yeah. Well, now, you can't be running poles during the game. This isn't spring training. You can't be doing long toss. That has to be a dramatic change for a starting pitcher. Well, that's what I was saying is right before the game starts, I'll be out there and I'll throw my however long I want to throw, and then up to right when the game starts, then I'll go in the bullpen, and if I'm warming up right away, I'll do my normal stuff. Obviously, it's it, you know, it can vary the timing because obviously innings get quick or they're long, you know. So that's the kind of uh, transition that I needed to to kind of either wait or speed up a little bit. But um, and obviously that's all in game in game stuff. You never know what's going to happen. So, um, but overall, it's it's been fine. I've been able to adapt pretty well, and um, you know, anything that I've needed to do, I've been I've been fine with doing it. How odd was it to watch this team start out 13-2? and two? I mean, you guys got out of the gate. It was, like, unbelievable. Still hitting a bunch of home runs. And then it's just it's gone a whole different way. How's it been in the clubhouse for the Mariners? It's been great. You know, good group of guys. Um, honestly, I, I can't say enough about the guys that are, that are on the team. You know, with how we've been playing, you know, obviously ups and downs. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't know it in the clubhouse, basically. So uh, that's always a good sign. No, that's good. Well, I know we talked about 
uh, well, just going on that, I mean, it's, it's great to have that good team chemistry, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a young group of guys over there. I know you're bringing your veteran presence over there. Um, but we talked about hitting, hitting, and how, you know, you can swing it a little bit. And you I've got a chance to dabble to, a little. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so how do, how do you, I mean, you've, in the American League and National League, what do you what do you like better being in the National League where you could swing it or over oh, just talking about the or being over here where you can just focus on pitching in the American League? Uh, it's tough. I think once, you know, in the National League, once I kind of get going with with hitting the first couple times, you know, it's kind of like I'm not like nervous, but, you know, like I'm not used to going out there pitching and then having to worry about swinging a bat. So once that kind of gets rolling, then I would say I, I definitely enjoy the hitting part of it. Um, but, you know, it's always nice to not have to worry about it and go out there and pitch and, you know, I just do my thing in between innings if it's just sitting there and not focusing on anything or, or um, you know, moving around, whatever I need to do. I don't have to worry about grabbing a bat and going up and, and doing something else. So uh, it goes both ways, but I think the edge is probably to, to hit in because I do yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> this thing right here in my hand, the baseball, Yeah. we've been dealing with a lot of different people, and Dr. Meredith Wills has been on our program, an astrophysicist, a couple times. The ball's different. Yeah. Science Scientists have proven that the ball is different. There's less drag. The seams are smaller. The leather is smoother. Have you seen, as a pitcher, a dramatic change in the ball? The feeling of it, not as much. Um, I can't say I – not that – like, I don't know if it's smoother. I, I can't remember from before, but the flight, for sure. Like, especially balls, like, I've come back a couple times this year and, and seen balls that are hit out of here is ridiculous. Mm. So – um, that's that's the difference I see is the balls are flying a lot farther. And the same thing up, I want to call it. I want to call it Safe Go. What's the name of it now in Seattle? T-Mobile. Uh, T-Mobile. We were up there, and I'm like, balls that were being hit. You're like, those were outs. Yeah. And the ball just keeps going and going and going, and that's the thing that. And I wonder for you know for some pitchers, you know, how does it affect certain things like a slider? How does it affect a curveball? The spin. Of the ball, so you haven't seen a difference in the ball for you. The feeling of it, I've seen based on what I see out there after the ball gets hit. I've seen that for sure. I've seen a difference in that aspect. But like the feeling of it, I've I felt like it's it's been fine. It's some, I mean, sometimes they don't feel like they're rubbed up enough. But other than that, like, yeah, I I, I don't really see much of a difference that way. Some guy said it's like throwing an ice cube. It's so slick. Right? Yeah, that's what some of the guys are saying. Hey, Tommy, thank you for coming out. This is. It's not a bad little set for us here, no, is it? No, it's awesome. Right here on the field, it's great. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have this back in the day, and this is something that we started this year. We say it's uh, the best office office in baseball, and for you to come down from the visiting clubhouse, we truly appreciate it. And Absolutely. Great for you guys to connect once yeah, again. Yeah, for sure. My man. Hey, good to see you, bro. Good luck, man. Go appreciate get him. It. Keep pitching well. Thank you. Tommy, we'll good do. to see you, buddy. You too. Take care. We wish Tommy well and really wish he never would have left the athletics because the way he pitched in this ballpark – and Tommy was really good for the Oakland Athletics. We wish him nothing but the best up with the Seattle Mariners. Well, one of the best articles that's come out this year is by Evan Drellich from The Athletic. And there is a couple of these consultant, consulting firms that big businesses use, uh, governments have used, 
I'm telling you, the article is fabulous if you subscribe to The Athletic. And right now, Jeffrey Luno, the the man who runs the Houston Astros, he has had this group because he's he worked for them at one time, then brought them in when he was with the when he was working for the St. Louis Cardinals. But now the last two years, he's brought McKinsley and company into the Astros baseball ops to see how they can make their baseball operations better. The article phenomenal, and so is Evan Drellich from The Athletic. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time. You're on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend, and we want to promote your article on The Athletic. I love The Athletic, and this is really a fascinating read. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. You know, something I found out about, I don't know, maybe six, eight months ago, um, and it made the rounds a little bit. You know, the Astros used McKinsey, but nobody really understood exactly what they had done. Uh, they didn't exactly broadcast it. So to kind of get a little insight there, and it's, it's just different than what a lot of teams are doing. You know, we come from the world of Moneyball, right? I mean, the A's were really the start of a lot of this stuff and, and change in baseball, and we're always interested in this. And, of course, what, what the Astros have done and had such great success. So kind of take us through – because McKenzie's McKenzie's something you'd think they you know out here in our world you think they would be helping Google or Apple or someone like that and not a baseball team, right? And I think McKinsey and probably the other big three firms and any consulting firm wants to be in a position where you can get more business and different business. And you know Jeff Luno, the GM now president of the Astros, used to work at McKinsey, uh, and, and there was this feeling that well even if they've never worked directly with baseball teams and and uh, baseball operations specifically, you know, they've worked with sports leagues and, and with teams, but never in the area touching the on-field product, never in that baseball operations uh, specific area. Well, all right. What if they've worked with the U S air force? What if they've worked with other elite academic institutions, whatever, there's gotta be something that we can extrapolate from uh, what they are doing and have done with other companies their knowledge of how other elite institutions work into baseball. So, you know, was it this overwhelming transformative experience? Probably not in part because Jeff Luno's got that consultant mindset already, uh, but it's another stone you can look under. It's another stone you can turn over. Do you know what McKinsey actually did for the Astros and changed I guess the business model of baseball ops, did you learn anything that changed once they came in as consultants for the Astros? So they looked at three areas. There's two engagements or studies or whatever they, they want to call it. They've got their own terminology and lingo in that world. Um, 2017, it was R&D, research and development, and scouting where the focuses. And then 2018, it was player development, so the farm system. They weren't uh, – even as I reported this broadcasting everything they found, because this is the age where everything is proprietary and everybody's scared to share all the information because heaven forbid we give away a trade secret. But a couple of things were pointed out as an example on the minor league side, the 2018 engagement, there was a feeling that the minor league manager role could be handled differently. The minor league manager for a long time is supposed to be the buddy, you know, you set the schedule, but there's, there, there was time to apply yourself to other things. And so they looked at fielding. And, and usually what would happen is you have the, the minor league roving fielding instructor come in, and that's when you would do kind of the most intensive drills. But why not have the manager head up fielding drills and fielding work more frequently? So that idea, as it was explained to me, existed previously. 
you know, it wasn't like McKinsey came up with it, but it helps to have that outset, outside set of eyes, people who haven't, uh, you know, worked A in baseball, B worked in that organization to look at it and go, you know what, this would make some more sense. And on, our, on the R&D side, it was structural. A lot of it was structural. So, you know, how do we organize this? How do we prioritize this project over that project? Uh, what, what's the right way to go about things rather than necessarily this project is bad, this project is bad. It's, it's how do you learn to figure out which projects are good and bad. You know, th- th- they kind of get a bad rap about scouting. Like, uh, L- L- Luno doesn't like scouts. They don't even want to use scouts anymore. And a lot of the old school people in, in baseball are like, this is going to fail for them. Kind of set everybody straight. Where are the Astros when it comes to scouts and the older way that people evaluated talent? Well, I mean, they're pretty far away from it. You know, they've reduced their number of traditional scouts, the people they put on the road to go look at baseball games. And they've added a lot of people in-house to look at video with basically a general philosophy that, you know, what can the human eye see better than uh, a computer, uh, a robotics, whatever, you know, the, uh, you're better off analyzing something with a computer program than you are with the human eye, which honestly makes a little bit of sense. And I think probably the direction they see it going is that scouts end up being more like private investigators. But, you know, scouts will tell you we still do see things on the field that teams don't. And and I, I believe that's true. The answer, though, for a team like the Astros, it's very budget conscious, is they don't want to spend the money. Right? It's, it's a lot of money you have to invest uh to put somebody on the road and you know, not relative to like signing a player. Nothing is, is a lot of money relative to signing a player, but if they feel they can get more from keep, keeping people in house and looking at video, they're going to do that. That's how they operate. Uh, so, you know, it's accurate to say that they don't believe in traditional scouting. That's, they've laid that out, laid that out there pretty clearly. Well, and, and let's face it, they're having that success. I mean, that's the one thing where you, you start to make changes. If you're losing, people can criticize you. But when you've had the success they, they've had, it's hard to criticize. Yeah, and, and you know, how much of it is the scouting approach? Maybe a little bit of it, but that's kind of the whole thing. You know, is McKinsey, uh, you know, a, a 30% gain? No, but but everything is incremental. You know, if you can get – if you be a little bit better than somebody else in one area, if you can be a little bit better than somebody else in another area, well, at the end of the day, that adds up. So the Astros – they're not afraid to let people go. They're not afraid to turn things over, do things differently with the idea that eventually you get these incremental gains. And, you know, that's a challenge to other teams around the league. We're going to do it like this, adjust, or theoretically you're going to struggle. But I still think philosophically there's room to do things the other way. You know, you might not be as efficient, but it comes down to a question of how do you want to run your business? Do you want to be a family-run business? Do you want to be cutthroat like a Fortune 500 company? You know, that's what's happening in baseball now. Do you think this is the future of baseball, having firms like this? You know, on, on a basic practical level, this makes sense. Right? Why wouldn't you have people who understand good management practices? You know, a, a front office these days has, has a little tech company. If everybody's doing programming uh, and R&D, why wouldn't you have somebody who's more experienced in that particular space come in and say, you know what, this is how you should structure this? Because base, baseball people, by definition – they're baseball people. They don't know how to run the tech side of things. You know, you might know how to program, but you might not know how to actually manage that. So I think there's something to be grabbed onto here. Is it going to change the world? I don't know. You know, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if in five, ten years, you know, this was more common. The teams are willing to say, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll give, we'll give $100,000, uh, $500,000, million dollars to a consulting firm. 
to look over baseball ops. You know, why not, right? If it can help you get a little bit of an advantage, that's the whole name of the game today. You know, and I and I think about where the Astros are right now for the first time. You know, seeing the Astros leak a little oil. You know, on on June sixteenth, the Astros. They were up nine and a half games in the AL West. And with the A's winning today, they have won six straight, eight of nine, 12 of 14. They're now sitting at just four back of the Astros. If the Astros lose tonight, that's going to be cut to three and a half. Three and a half. How, how are you looking at the division now with the A's making up all these games? Uh, I was talking to somebody in the Astros organization yesterday. There's still a feeling they're going to win that division. I, I was – I did not realize until Book Shambi at ESPN tweeted, I think it was today, that the run differential the A's is now better than the Astros, which surprised me. But, you know, I think the, the Astros could have been a little bit more proactive in addressing some of their needs, the feeling that they could use a little bit of catching help. Um, but at the end of the day, one team got hot, the other team got cold. I, I, I still have faith that the Astros are going to end up winning the division. I still think they're probably the best team in the American League. Um, no offense to the Yankees. Hey, great stuff, and the article's fantastic, and we, we appreciate your time, and we'll be calling on you again. Thanks, Chris. If you get a chance, read this article. It's just one of the many ways we see how the game of baseball is changing. John Spencer. John Spencer was the victim of just guys being a jerk at Yankee Stadium. He was wearing his A's gear. He lives in New York. He's from the Bay Area. He was there for the wild card game, and – a Yankee fan poured a beer on him. We all saw the video of it, and it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe how horrible it was. But you know what? He held his composure, and he made us proud by showing a lot of class, and we had him down on the field with us. Here is John Spencer, the great A's fan, who was the victim of getting a beer poured on his head at Yankee Stadium. John Spencer, longtime A's fan, lives in New York, had his green and gold rocking. And next thing you know, he's getting beer poured on him by Yankee fans. <laughs> and you became a star back here in the Bay Area because we all can't stand the Yankees. And we said, see, this is another reason why we can't stand these guys. Thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. What was that like? It was um, it was interesting. I mean, I, I was so happy to be out there repping the A's, right? I also I did buy bleacher tickets, so I kind of maybe set myself up a little bit for it. But from the moment I walked in the stadium, they were giving me, you know, giving me crap, saying all sorts of things to me. I was with my girlfriend, too. But um, it just made me even more proud to be an A's fan. And then as the game was going on, it wasn't looking good for us. Continued to look worse as the, as the game went on. And then at one point when the Yankees ripped, like a, I think it was a two- or three-run triple or something like that, kind of solidified their lead at that point. One of the other fans that was standing behind me took that moment to take his probably $15 beer he had just bought and yeah. <laughs> dump the whole thing on my head and, and then throw the cup at my head. Um, so it was an interesting experience, I got to say. I definitely, uh, you know, I was just like, wow, Yankees fans, you're really living up to what I thought you were. I mean, growing up as a kid, the Yankees would always buy out all of our players. They still kind of do that now. And so I kind of grew up sort of hating them a little bit. So it was it was kind of fitting to have that happen to me, to be honest. I want to commend you for, for staying calm. Because, like, me, if I was your age, <laughs> I would have turned around swinging. I mean, I would have. Yeah. I would have. I want to commend you for not doing that because, you know what, you repped us in a way that, like, I almost you'd say professionalism, uh-huh. but your yep. fandom and by – because I'm assuming, like, all the fans around went, 
that's weak. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was there was a little bit of sympathy for me. I think most people, most of the fans, they were so caught up in the game, they didn't even really care. Um, but you know, in moments like that, it's like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna turn around and make it a big deal and cause a fight, or are you just gonna accept that that person did what they did? You know, don't take it personally. They're trying to they're they're dumping beers on the on the A's as a whole. They're not dumping a beer on me specifically, maybe even though they did. But um, you know, it's I'm not uh, super confrontational. I keep a pretty level head in situations like that. And so a moment like that, I'm just like, you know what? I'm, my team's losing. I'm out here repping the A's. I'm repping Oakland. If that's what you want to do to me, then then fine. You know, I'll take it. But I'm still I'm not going to turn around and make it into a whole scene. You know. So the A's reach out to you after that, correct? They did. Yeah. So the A's. Um, that video went viral the next day. I think like Bleacher Report was one of the main publications that it that it that it sped up on. And um, so the A's reached out on Twitter. They posted like, hey, help us find this fan because they heard about the event. (laughs) And so one of my friends forwarded me the tweet and was like, hey, the A's are looking to find you. And so I I raised my hand and I started talking to Travis, the director of marketing, and um, told them it was me and kind of chatted about it. And they, uh, again, appreciated the support that I had shown for the A's and hooked me up with some different radio shows and just kind of spread the gospel a little bit. Um, But, you know, I I felt fortunate to be in that moment and have a chance to – try to tell a different kind of story. You know, a lot of these stories we see online, especially with confrontations like that, they usually end negatively. They end in a fist fight. They end in someone getting ejected from the game. And so I was thankful to be a part of a story that wasn't like that and to be like, you know what, sometimes you got to just turn the other cheek and accept it and understand that people will come from all different backgrounds, all walks of life. And escalating a situation like that is usually not the best way to go about uh, handling it. And so I was, I was thankful for that and thankful that the A's reached out and that we connected. And here I am at a game, thanks to, thanks to Travis and the team for hooking me up with tickets. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> Did the Yankees contact you? The Yankees contacted me. Because um, it's a bad look for them. It's a very bad look for them. Um, also, I think like that type of behavior, the reason it picked up too is that it's part of a larger story of New York City fans, sometimes Yankee fans, getting a little too over the top. Um, and so I think that's part of what picked it up. But they reached out. I think initially they reached out just to mitigate any legal issues they might run into with, you know, if they thought I might try to, you know, pursue legal action against them, which I had no intention to. But they wanted to make sure that I, was, that I wasn't too upset, that everything was all right. And um, so they reached out. They actually, uh, this past season, so they told me when that happened, they are like, hey, season's almost over, but next season if you want tickets or anything, let us know. We'll hook you up. And so they – offered to let me stay in uh, the general manager's box uh, box seats, Brian Cashman's yeah. seat. So I went to a game a few weeks ago, um, a, a Yankees game, and I brought both Chris and Alex, who were the two guys that threw the beer on me, because we had kind of met up after that and kind of made amends, made friends. And um, so we got to meet Really? Brian. We did, yeah. So that was Look a whole – Look at you being the good person. Yeah, they. so that's the whole other side of the story is they now, reached what out. Did he, now, what did he say to you? You know, I mean, they apologized. Now, people ask me, like, do you think they would do it again? Yeah, I'm sure they would. Like, wow. they apologize, but they're... They had to. They had to. They had to. Because now he... You're going viral, and yeah. people feel bad for you. Yeah. But how about all the people? Because this gets down to his employer could see it. Yep. Th- this yep. Get, and He could be sued because yep. the bottom line the is... The could kick him out of the stadium for good. Never... Like, yeah. I mean, think about it. You have the right to say, okay, against the Yankees, you're not securing this venue... People are afraid to be in this venue. Right. There was a lot of ways you could have go yep. against him, the Yankees. I mean, that's yeah. And I, I just didn't want to pursue any of those. You know, I wanted to try to make peace. I wanted to try to make amends with him. Um, I wanted to try, especially with like once it went viral on Twitter. I mean, we see things that happen on Twitter. There was definitely a dark side of it. People saying really mean and nasty things to him, and I just didn't want to be a part of that. I was like, I don't want to perpetrate this story. 
Um, and so I tried to turn that story around. So when he reached out and said, hey, we should meet up and have a drink and let me buy you a beer to apologize, I was like, yeah, why not? And so we hung out. We had a good time together. We posted some pictures. And I told, tried to explain to the internet, like, hey, everyone take a big, deep breath. It's okay. Sometimes you get wronged by people. But, you know, just try to make amends and accept it, you know, and, and move forward. So Why are you still living around these wretched people? <laughs> Why have you not moved back here to the Bay Area? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. I uh, I plan to move back to the Bay Area soon. Tell um, your girlfriend we'll get them season tickets. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay, I'll pass that along to her. I'll pass it along to her. Yeah, we're actually planning on uh, we're planning on moving back in the next couple of years. So uh, I've, I've been staying in music as or staying in New York, a uh, big part because of music. I'm a musician, and so New York's got a really good music scene. But I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to move back to the Bay Area in the next couple of years. Well, you know what? Thank you for coming on, and it's great that you're here. And we really appreciate you repping us in that wild card game, and then also staying calm and making A's fans look a hell of a lot better than what Yankee fans are. Hey, that's how we do it. We're much better than Yankees fans, so I'm glad I could help prove that point. Well, that's going to do it for A's Unfiltered. Mark DeRosa, Tommy Malone, Evan Drellich, and John Spencer. Hope to see you out at the ballpark soon. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.